I'm not in this episode. This is a microsode about the Large Hadron Collider. And as you may know, LHC's discovery of the Higgs boson particle was very high ranking on our top 20 nerdy things of 2012 list. We recorded this microsode before we compiled the list actually. And this microsode may, if you didn't know much about the LHC or the Higgs boson particle, elaborate a little bit more on why it placed as highly as it did. So this microsode kind of acts as an appendix to our 2012 final boss. Before I let Brian, John, Hex, and Tony take over, thought I'd play you a brand new song from Melody Sheep, the brain behind Symphony of Science. It was done in collaboration with 2012 Mashed, a uh, show on uh, BBC Channel 4, which celebrates 2012's greatest scientific discovery, the Higgs boson particle. It's called The Face of Creation, and uh, this will set the tone nicely for the rest of this microsode. Enjoy. If you really want to understand how the universe ticks, the LHC is what you need. We're about to go back to the beginning of time. The time when the Higgs ruled the universe. It will change our understanding of the cosmos. We want to know why things are the way they are. We want to know how they work, what everything is. What is mass? Why does it exist? Particles acquire mass by interacting with the Higgs field. The Higgs mechanism works by filling the universe with a field. If you're going to go for the big questions, then you have to go for it. That's what science at the Large Hadron Collider is all about. We can stare at the face of creation, smash matter together, and energies never before achieved. We can stare at the face of creation, a beam of protons going that way, at almost the speed of light. Another beam of protons going that way, at almost the speed of light. They'll cross inside Atlas, recreate conditions that were present just after the beginning of the universe. We can stare at the face of creation, smash matter together, and energies never before achieved. We're about to go back to the beginning of time. Ladies and gentlemen, welcome to a very scientific microsode of Nerdy Show. Hi, I'm Hex. I'm Tony, the draw friend. I don't know who's next, but I'm Brian. I'm John. And today's episode of the Large Hadron Collider brought to you by none other than Mauron. 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 He uh, wanted us to talk about Large Hadron Collider, and he specifically... Hadron Collider. Keep yeah, on the Hadron Collider is something completely different. Yeah. <laughs> All right, so w- what this thing does is that it takes baseball-sized hadrons, because they're very large, and it throws them at a baseball bat, but it's a hadron bat. Huh. And then they collide. Then what happens? No one knows. <laughs> Who's holding the bat? God. Yes, well, you know, then scientists record shit tons of data about what happens, because that's what they do. They record things, right? That is what they do. That's what I've been told. The specific microsode, uh, Mauron suggested that uh, it be hosted by none other than uh, John West, our scientific correspondent, uh, Brian Clevenger, our science fiction writer dude. He's famous for writing about sciencey stuff. Yeah. And me, because... They wanted. An they idiot. needed an idiot monkey. Yeah, and, and then Tony I tagged decided, along. Thought we didn't have <laughs> the jokes on monkey. them. He's got three idiots. <laughs> <laughs> 
So you may remember that back in 2010, during our top 20 nerdy things of 2010, we listed number three as man toys with the life, the universe, and everything when uh, the Large Hadron Collider created a mini Big Bang, and we were afraid that might destroy the everything. Yes. And we were lucky that it didn't. That was a funny time period there. <laughs> <laughs> Who so, knows what'll happen? So why did we think that the Large Hadron Collider might have destroyed everything with a mini Big Bang? Because people are dumb. Well, yeah. I.e., why did we think that dropping a nuclear bomb would cause the entirety of the world's like atmosphere to just ignite? Yeah, because we didn't know anything my, better. My favorite uh, atomic doomsday theory was that it would create this siphon effect where it would blast. Like if you siphon gas out of a car, you know, you just suck for a little while and then it all comes out like that, but with the atmosphere out into space and then we would all just suffocate. <laughs> People be silly. <laughs> People be silly bitches. Wow. That is a. It's just, you know, theory. when you deal with, with big, crazy science like that. And, you know, that's unprecedented. People get weird ideas about what could happen. And it does sound scary, you know, creating black holes on Earth. It just sounds like a terrible, terrible idea. But they last for like a billionth of a second. These things happen kind of naturally anyway. And it's just, meh. Black holes happen naturally on Earth? They happen everywhere. All the time, in your head. Well, I mean, it's really one of those things. I mean, you know, we think of space as being empty, but at the same time, like subatomic particles are being created and destroyed just all the time on microscopic scales or well, actually I guess on crazy tiny tiny particle scales Pico you get the idea though like it's weird weird stuff so the hadron collider then if i'm understanding correctly is us trying to be able to observe this it's giving us the same stuff that's happening out in space naturally in a controlled environment yeah you can think of it as a, a very complex version of uh, ben franklin experimenting with lightning uh these things happen Naturally, the Large Hadron Collider is an attempt to make it happen under, under controlled conditions so that we can have some assumptions going in about the conditions and then uh, better understand and, and obviously be able to record the results. Because these things happen, as I said, for billions of a second, just kind of naturally all the time, randomly, and you just you can't record that. You need to set up something so that you can have uh, the original conditions and, and watch it happen and record it with like three camcorders because that's all you need <laughs> sony handycam something like but, that but yeah rca things from 1989 and i i do feel it's important to mention that when we do when we mention it as the large hadron collider this thing is what eight miles long large is, is like a large underestimation. it's enormous it is 17 miles in circumference. 17 miles in circumference. 574 feet below the Franco-Swiss border near Geneva, Switzerland, according to like you look Wikipedia. At, at pictures of, of individual parts of it, like the the chambers and the, the firing chambers and such, and you think there's not enough metal in the world to build that. <laughs> it's just miles and miles of that. And then you just imagine that the entire thing's lowered down to near sub-zero with like these huge like electromagnets firing things around, and then it just gets crazy. So if I had to use that same definition of large to order a large fry, I'd be eating for the next six years. Seven. <laughs> <laughs> so why, why does it need to be that Imagine large? a Twinkie the size of three New York <laughs> street blocks. <laughs> Oh, why, why does it need to be that long? Acceleration. Yeah. Because mm. we're getting these things up to uh, an insanely high power level, higher than has ever been attempted before, and you need a whole lot of firing range, basically. Right. To um, to accelerate it over and over and over. And they're already already. And that's really the uh, hadron collider. Are they ever going to use the one out in Texas, though? 
that they filled with sand? See, I think the the original mistake with that was filling it with sand because that <laughs> it doesn't work. I, I agree completely. It was like they they were actually building a, a basically the LHC, but even huger in Texas because you know everything's bigger in Texas, right? I mean, science fact. But then being you know Texas, they decided to fill it with sand, and that was really the major fault there. That that's why the LHC is the one making the news about the Higgs boson, and you know instead the the other one's just you know forgotten being filled with sand and whatnot. Well, but yeah, um, generally the idea is accelerate the stuff really, really, really fast, hit it into the detector, which of course everyone's practically seen the picture of that thing. It's it's like this glorious, weird Death Star-like component. And, and that entire thing is like an array of arrays of detectors. And the point is, is that you have to get it so high energy that we can actually see it at all. That's kind of the thing. Like it kind of fills up the whole experiment so that we can actually witness it at all and record any of it. I don't even remember what the percentage is, but like a horrible amount of the data that's generated by that is just basically tossed out automatically. And only the uh, good stuff, so we hope, actually comes out the other end. Yeah, that's why, yeah, if you recall, we, we had, they, they announced, you know, oh, we found the Higgs boson, sort of. It'll take a few months to figure out if we did. And then a few months later, they I guess they but said that. Basically, it was like, we're really sure, but not. <laughs> As a science ignoramus, what exactly does the Higgs boson equate to in terms of scientific advancement? And why is the LHC so important to that? We don't know why mass exists. Ah. Oh. Which is kind of a problem from a reality point of view. Yeah. It's just very strange. Like, there's a lot of... Um, quantum uh, theories and, and, and equations that if you just assume that mass is not real, there is no such thing as mass, they work out great. As soon as you introduce the idea that mass is a real thing, which we know it is because we observe it constantly, everything gets goofy. Why? We don't know. <laughs> so this is an attempt to figure out where mass comes from and why it makes things that ought to be simple goofy. And the gist then with the Higgs is, is that the Higgs is thought to give things mass. And then, as an aside, it also has to do with the physics idea of supersymmetry, which, you know, they're kind of hoping is real. So if they couldn't find the Higgs boson, then maybe it wasn't real at all, and they really have to go back to the books. But, you know, if it's there, they're hoping that they can actually find these, you know, crazy supersymmetries in reality. Um, and as it is, with the current power and design of the LHC, they might possibly be able to get some of the lower weight ones to actually show up and actually prove supersymmetry as, as maybe being a really real, real, real thing. Because you know how it is with science. Evolution, it doesn't exist. It's just theory, man. But that means, like, holy shit, like, we've proven it over and over again. We've never been able to disprove it. So, kind of that sort of thing also. Now, you made mention, John, of supersymmetry. I've never heard that term before, nor have I been able to attempt to achieve it with my drawings, because we all know how much artists like symmetry. But what do? Yes, um, it's one of those wackadoodle physics ideas that you're just kind of like, what the fucking hell shit is this? <laughs> um, the basic idea is, is that every type of particle has like a... <sighs> Well, let me put it this way. Whenever you try to read about it, you just feel dumb because you have no idea what the hell they're talking about and they just start talking about flavors and spin. So I can just skip over reading about it then and continue feeling dumb? It, sort of. It's, it's one of those things. Like, the point about doing basic research is ultimately that hopefully we learn more about reality and ultimately 
maybe that helps us out somehow in the future. But yeah, I mean, supersymmetry starts getting down there, like maybe it'll help you with quantum computers. Maybe if we understood how to measure and, and understand mass better, we could learn to control it. Maybe then we could have gravity guns. I don't know. That's like crazy, crazy stuff that probably any actual physicist that's listening to this is probably shaking their heads because I'm a crazy face. Because we have a huge physicist listener base. You know, it's one of those things, like, seriously, you know, supersymmetry is really complicated and crazy, and every single time I read about it, I still feel like, well, maybe if I studied all of math, I would then be able to actually read the white papers about all the math, and then I'd be able to, you know, actually not talk to anyone about it, because it would be like this idea in my head about mathematical relationships instead of reality. Now... In the novel Angels and Demons, Dan Brown uses oh antimatter created at the LHC as a weapon. Brian, what is your thoughts on weaponizing antimatter? Shut up. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you, Brian. <laughs> that, that was Brian Clevenger on weaponizing antimatter. He is against it, so he is anti-antimatter. What? It's true. Not that it matters. Doesn't matter. We've been able to store antimatter for what, like a couple of seconds or something in a standard closure? I don't know. If it was I mean, it's it was crazy Dan Brown writing crazy Dan Brown things about religion you, and antimatter. I, I have a surprising revelation about the Dan Brown books. Uh oh. They're not very good. <laughs> you heard it here first, folks. Also, um, I'm not entirely sure that they're historically or scientifically accurate. There, I said it. I put it out there. You have destroyed my worldview. <laughs> I am the center of controversy here. Well, thank you, everyone, for tuning in to this very educational and scattered microsode of Nerdy Show. Get it? Because they, they scatter the particles when they hit. And they... <laughs> da -da 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 -da. Hex. Whoa, whoa, whoa. Hold your horses. Before we go anywhere, I got to give some uh, year-end shout-outs to people. First of all, I want to thank everybody for a massively supportive 2012. It's been a very difficult year for all of us. We really look forward to all the stuff we've been working on for 2013. As of New Year's Eve 2012, our December support drive is at $600, which is fantastic. We both met our monthly goal, our monthly required goal of 300 as well as our stretch goal, 375 to acquire three new boom mic stands unlocking the bonus perk of outtakes from Nerdy Show Declassified. But also, you guys were so generous, you covered an expense that we didn't even foresee. We've recently had to relocate the Nerdy Show compound and move the studio into a brand new space that didn't have carpet. I had tile, and that would sound terrible and echoey. We're actually in the middle of the move right now, which is why I sound so boxy. I'm coming to you from a micro-recorder, and not the good one, because Hex has that at MAGFest. Anyway... I had to install some carpet, and uh, you guys, without even asking, helped build a new Nerdy Show studio. And that is a beautiful thing. So all throughout 2013, we're going to be coming to you from this new space. We're going to sound better than ever. 8-Bit FM is coming back as Nerdy FM. An easy-to-use front page for NerdyShow.com will be out shortly, as will a new weekly schedule of releases. Taking a page from Trench88, the last fellow to support us in the new year, at least as of uh, 4 p.m. in the afternoon, he says, here's to a new year and seeing the nerdiness continue for years to come. Thanks so much to all you guys. Back to you, Hex. And so we're going to be um, ending the track with uh, the Large Hadron Rap by uh, Catherine McAlpine because um, 
how you you I dare you to find music about the Hadron Collider. <laughs> so we have you for it's out there, but it's just it's a, it's in a really small scene. I have heard music about the observatories on the top of the Hawaiian mountains. Really. Next. It exists. There's, in fact, I believe an entire science music thing in England that's just a bunch of crazy-ass scientists singing about stuff. That's really believable, because England is weird. It's true. <laughs> yes, hey, without that weirdness, weird. we wouldn't have pixel hate. <laughs> that's true. So, but thank you, everyone, for tuning in. Um, thank you to Mauron. And thank you for Mauron. Mauron. Mauron for suggesting this topic. Uh, bye, I'm Hex. I'm Tony Meow. the Draw Friend. Uh, I'm still Brian. Still John. Thank you for listening. Bye. Oh, yeah. I'm about to drop some particle physics in the club. The LHC is super duper fly. You know what I'm saying. Check it. 27 kilometers tunnel underground. Designed with minus and protons around. A circle that crosses through Switzerland and France. 16 nations contribute to scientific advance. Two beams of protons swing round through the ring they ride. Tilling the hearts of the detectors, they're made to collide. And all that energy packed in such a tiny bit of room becomes mass. Particles created from the vacuum. And then. Oh, yeah. LHCBEC is where the antimatter's gone. Alice looks at collisions of red ions. Dragons and the Higgs is the boson that carries the force.
Notice from the field that isn't sore, still detected. Thank you very much for listening to this week's episode of Nerdy Show. Nerdy Show is brought to you by a comic shop, Nerdapalooza, and the Oviedo branch of Play and Trade. Listeners like you, especially you, man. And if you enjoyed what you've heard, support Nerdy Show by telling a friend. Or better yet, pick up some Nerdy Show merch at the Nerdy Store or donate directly for secret Nerdy Show goodies. For more episodes of Nerdy Show, Dungeons and Doritos, comics, videos, and more, visit nerdyshow.com. You can subscribe to all Nerdy Show podcasts via the iTunes Store. For the latest news and updates, follow us on Twitter at Nerdy Show or friend us on Facebook. And get social with other Nerdy Show listeners at nerdyshow.com slash forums. Yes, contact us questions or comments at info at nerdyshow.com. You're a microsode. I am, I am not a microsode. You're a macrosode? I am a macrosode. <laughs>